if, uh, if you have your Bibles on you, turn with me to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, and we're going to read verses 24 through 27. And this is what the text says. It says, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall, because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. If you would, pray with me. Father, we come to you now in the name of Jesus pray for uh, families and individuals that are gathered at this moment in their homes. Um, God, I pray that you would give them eyes to see and ears to hear what you want to say to them this morning. Uh, God, we know that the Holy Spirit is on quarantine, isn't on quarantine, and, and we know that the line of Judah can't be, can't be trapped in a cage. And so let the Spirit roam freely today, um, both as I teach, but maybe more importantly, as we read your word together. God, we love you, and it's a gift to be gathered um, with uh, the body of believers that makes up Whitestone, whether it is uh, on video or whether it is in this Boys and Girls Club. It's in Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people said, amen, amen. amen. You know, uh, storms have a way of revealing a structure's stability. It takes uh, hard rain to reveal a leaky roof. It takes a hard wind to reveal a, a weak foundation. Now, as long as everything's sunny outside and things are moving along at a perfectly robotic pace, we don't see the faults in our own houses. Uh, the same thing's true when we talk about our spiritual lives, uh, when we talk about our faith. Sometimes the pressure has to build a little bit before we can see the cracks in it. One might say, that it would take a, a significant storm or a, a large mirror to be able to see our own cracks. Hashtag bad jokes with Brock. Hashtag that one's for the haters. Spelled with a Z, if you must know. We have to walk through some storms before we know if our faith is built to handle storms. It's the storms that reveal to us the faults in our characters. It is the storms that reveal to us the cracks in our spiritual foundations. In this way, uh, the rain and the wind can certainly be painful, um, but they can also be very useful. One of my favorite books on grief is the book uh, A Grief Observed by C.S. Lewis. And um, um, the book is excellent. It's a collection of essays that he wrote um, right after his beloved wife, Joy, died of breast cancer. And in it, he talks about the tearing down and the rebuilding of his, his faith. And it's, it's beautiful while also being heartbreaking. And one of my favorite quotes in, uh, in the book is this. This is what Lewis says. He says, God has not been trying an experiment on my faith or love in order to find out their quality. He knew it already. It was I who didn't. In this trial, he makes us occupy the dock, the witness box, and the bench all at once. 
he always knew that my temple was a house of cards. His only way of making me realize the fact was to knock it down. Now the observation that Lewis makes here that I think is so brilliant is he says the storm doesn't reveal the quality of our faith to God. God already knows it. He already knows if the faith we have is stable, if it is sincere, if it is secure. No, the storms reveal the quality of our faith to us. They show us our weaknesses. They show us our errors. They show us the cracks in our spiritual foundations. Church, in the last couple of weeks, with COVID-19 and with quarantines and a failing economy, uh, the pressure has certainly built. Uh, The global storm has come. We are currently living in unprecedented days, fearful days, painful days. And I don't want to do anything to diminish that pain. The, The reality is before this whole thing is said and done, we will probably all know somebody whose lives have been significantly affected by the coronavirus, whether it be directly or indirectly, whether it be physically or economically. And while being sensitive to this season, and being sensitive to that pain, I still want to say this. Global uncertainty can bring about individual clarity. Global uncertainty can bring about individual clarity. When it is wild out there, it's a great time to be doing work in here. Sometimes when the world is a crazy place, our hearts often become the most tender. I would argue that this is a great time to be doing soul work because this storm, if you will let it, will reveal to you the quality of your faith. You will find in this storm the areas that your faith is strong and the areas that your faith is weak. And if you're willing to acknowledge and identify your weak points by the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus can come in and begin to shore up those weaknesses. One of the great truths of the scriptures is that the power of God is made perfect in our weakness. Friends watching online, I ask you this morning, how's your faith holding up in all this? I mean, are are you able to find a, a semblance of hope in the midst of the storm? Have you been able to hold on to light even in the midst of the darkness? Have you found yourself able to remain compassionate even at a time when a majority of the world is in hoarding mode. Please know that our church staff, uh, we love you, and we miss you, and uh, we're praying for you. And we're not praying that you would never be afraid, or that you would never be anxious, because it's okay to be scared sometimes, or that you would uh, never be anxious, or that your faith would never waver. No, we're praying that even when those feelings come, they will be seasoned with a sense of hope, and seasoned with a sense of love, and seasoned with a sense of grace. Because here's the thing, church. The coronavirus doesn't nullify the power of the cross. The coronavirus doesn't nullify the power of the cross. Earthly calamity has no effect on heavenly sovereignty. God is still on the throne. 
the good news of the gospel still stands. Our great God is still at work doing what he's always doing, redeeming, reworking, renewing, making all things new. Listen, no matter how dark this world becomes, the light of God will always shine in it, and the darkness, as Jesus told us, will not be able to overcome it. One of the truths that we're taught in the book of Revelation is that even if the sun were to cease to shine, like if the gaseous ball that is the sun, if it just stopped shining in the sky, we're told that the glory of God would still light up the world. One of the things when the church at Corinth was going through a really difficult time and they were unsure about what to do, the apostle Paul wrote them these words in 1 Corinthians 4, and I think they're really powerful. I think they could become an anthem for the Christian church during this season. And this is what he said. I'm reading from the message. He says, we've been surrounded and battered by troubles, but we're not demoralized. We're not sure what to do, but we know that God knows what to do. We've been spiritually terrorized, but God hasn't left our side. We've been thrown down, but we haven't broken. You know, a lot of people in our world seem to be surprised these days to find out that they're not going to live forever. But the book of James has told us that our life is a vapor. A lot of people in the world seem to be surprised these days to find out that they don't have complete control over their lives. But we're told clearly in Psalm chapter 24 that the earth belongs to the Lord and everything in it. A lot of people in our world seem to be surprised that a storm like this has come. But the Apostle Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3, he said, realize this, in the last days, difficult times will come. Church, have you ever considered the fact that maybe some of the things that are coming as a surprise to everybody else shouldn't be surprising us? And some of the things that are frightening everybody else shouldn't be frightening us because we know and still stand on the truth that our God is still good and he's still in control, and we know that dark days always precede resurrection. It may feel like Friday now, but Sunday is always on the way. It's always on the way. So what are we supposed to do in times like these? Like, what are we supposed to do when the storm hits and when we begin to see the cracks in our character, when we begin to see the weaknesses in our foundation? Like, what is the next step we should take as individuals? Well, I would say that a good next step would be to go and have a conversation with the architect. The first thing that you need to do is go and have a conversation with the architect, and this is what I mean by that. So we are closing this morning our series, Great Expectations, on the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus concludes his words on the Sermon on the Mount with these words in Matthew 7, 24. This is what he says. He says, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on a rock. Church, Jesus was the architect of a new way to live. And throughout the whole Sermon on the Mount, in his teachings, he was trying to give us the building blocks of a holy life. He's trying to say, if you want to build a house that is built to persevere storms, then you need to take these words that I'm teaching you, and you need to apply them to your life. And it shouldn't surprise us that Jesus, as a carpenter, would be using a builder's illustration. I mean, it makes perfect sense. But essentially, as we've walked the last couple of months through this 
series, what we've seen is Jesus providing us with stone by stone. Like he's like, okay, here's the, you, if you want to build a, a house that is built to endure storms, this is what you need. First, you're going to need a, a purity stone. And then you're going to need an honesty stone. And then you're going to need a forgiveness stone. And a peace stone. And a gentleness stone. And a faithfulness stone and a stone that represents your hunger and thirst for righteousness. He goes, take these stones, take my teachings, mold them all into one house, and you will have a structure built to weather storms. Problem is, many of us decided that we wanted to be our own architects. And instead of listening to Jesus, we decided to come up with our own plans, our own blueprints, and use our own building materials. And so instead of building according to the stones and the blueprint that he gave us, what we've done is we've taken stones and we've built instead with our, our homes instead with stones of greed and stones of envy and stones of malice and stones of materialism and stones of vengeance and stones of pride. But listen to me, church, whether you're online or in this place now, those stones are not built to weather storms. A house built on those things are not equipped to go through something like this. And so if you find yourself in this season at a place where you feel like your house is just swaying in the wind, your spiritual foundations feel very weak, like you feel like the rain and the wind is hitting you on every side, then this is what I want to encourage you to do. Maybe it's time to tear down the old house and start over. Like, maybe it's time to go and meet with a new architect. Maybe it's time to go and meet with Jesus and let him lay out the blueprint. Let him lay out the plan. And then you work together with him to rebuild it. The good news is, as long as you can hear me today, as long as you still got breath in your lungs, you have the ability to do over, to refresh, to restart. All change, I think, begins with a meeting with the the proper architect. And some of you need to go back and, and have that meeting. The author, Stephen Covey, He has a great quote where he says this. He says, if the ladder is not leaning against the right wall, every step we take just gets us to the wrong place faster. For what I'm trying to say, I would reframe his quote in this way. If we aren't working with the right architect, every stone we lay just builds a larger and more unstable house. Church, some of you need to go to God as soon as we're done today. Even right now, just go and talk to him and apologize to him. Tell him that you're sorry for trying to create the own blueprint for your own life and that you know you've screwed things up and ask him for forgiveness and then start over, start fresh, start new and see if you can't. It may not help you in this storm, but it can certainly help you in the storms ahead and the things that are going to come. True change always begins with a conversation with the architect. Now, I would say that for the majority of the people listening, uh, it's, it's not a, a, a total tear down and rebuild that needs to happen. I would say for most people, it's more like, you know, look, all throughout my life, there are a couple of stones. There are like a couple of places where it's like most of my house seems solid, but there's a place in the roof and there's this one stone where water just always seems to see. And I'm not sure exactly what I'm supposed to do about that. And if that's you, then hear me say this. Again, I think this is a great way to conclude that Sermon on the Mount series. What I would recommend you do 
If through this storm that we're in, you just feel rain hitting you from a couple of different sides, but you, don't, you know you don't need a total redo, I would encourage you, take out your Bible. Go to Matthew chapter 5, verse 1, which is the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. Once you get there, pray and ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you any issues in your life, things that might be blind spots, any things that you struggle with that maybe you haven't seen before. Ask him to highlight those things through and then read the text from Matthew 5, 1 all the way through the end of chapter 7. And every time the Spirit stirs in you and says, hey, this is an area that you need to work, highlight that and then go back in and a conversation with you and Jesus, look to repair those things. I think the process could look like this. I want you to pray, I want you to read, I want you to repair, and then I want you to repeat. I want you to pray, read, repair, repeat. Again, tools might not help you in the storm that we're currently in, but why not use this time to batten down the house so that you're better prepared for the storms that are ahead. In the midst of the storms, we don't just need to be having conversations with the right architect, and we don't just need to be building with the right stones, with the right building blocks, but we need to make sure that we are building our houses on the right foundation. You know, Jesus in the whole Sermon on the Mount was preaching about the value and necessity of surrounding ourselves with God-loving sin-battling, kingdom-hungry community. It's one of the things that's really surprised me during the study of this text at this time is just how focused Jesus seems to be on uh, creating a holy fellowship. Jesus, I think, knew that his time on earth was going to be short. And so he wanted to provide his people with biblical teachings that they could stand on. And brothers and sisters, that they could stand with because he knew that storms were going to come and when those storms came he knew how desperate we would be both for the word of God and for each other about a year and a half ago I went with a really small team from our church to a small village in Haiti uh, called Bodwin and uh, we went there because we had been told that people in that community hadn't heard about Jesus yet and we saw it as a great opportunity to go there, uh, to evangelize, just to learn and listen to the community, see how we could better minister in that place in the future. And it was a beautiful trip. So we got there and we set our tents up on the top of this mountain and we had to use the bathroom in buckets. I mean, it was, it was, an, awesome, it was an awesome experience. After being there for uh, a few days, we asked some of the people in that community, we said, where do y'all, does a Christian church even exist around here? And if so, where is it? And so a couple of guys pointed uh, to uh, a mountain, two mountains over from where we were. And so me and the guys, as far as from our church, it was just me and Deacon, Randy Love and West Palmer, and uh, Hippolyte was with us, Samuel was with us. We decide we want to go try to be a blessing to that church. If, they, if they're the only church in the community, we want to go and make sure they're feeling built up in love. It was about a half day's trip. And so we started out early in the morning, hiked down a mountain, back up a mountain, down another mountain, back up another mountain. We get there, it's just this old outdoor wooden structure, and it's a, it's a lady pastor. She's got a small congregation, 
And we have a sweet time. We talk with her. We pray over her. We pray over the congregation. We thank them for their work, especially knowing that there aren't other uh, Christian entities in, in that area. And it was, it was great. Uh, felt like it was a divine appointment. Well, we go to leave that place, and we start to make the trek back to Bodwin, and a huge storm comes blowing through. And the rain is beating down on us, and the wind is beating down on us. I have a waterproof cover on my backpack at this time, and everything in my pack still gets soaked. I'm talking about my passport soaked. Every dollar that I had soaked. My Bible soaked. I mean, it's just all, it's all gone. Now, luckily, being with the people that I was with, we knew as we were walking that we were in the midst of a cool story. You know, we knew, okay, this is something that we're going to be able to talk about later. And so we're walking along, and we're joking, and we're singing worship songs, and the ground beneath our feet is, like, super muddy. And so we're having to watch every step that we take. And it should have taken us a few hours to get back, but it took more hours. And so the whole time, especially as we're getting back close to Bodwin, you know, in my head I'm thinking, man, I can't wait to get back to, to the spot and get back in our tents and take these wet clothes off and put on dry clothes and just lay down. I'm like, in my head, I'm like that is going to be so awesome. And as soon as we crest the hill uh, to where our tents are, we look and the wind has toppled them. Um, both of our tents are laid over on their sides and everything in them is just as soaked as, our, our, as ourselves as the stuff that we have on us. And uh, it, was a, it was a moment, especially as a leader, it was kind of a moment of despair. I remember watching as Wes Palmer just kind of took a step over and just began to smoke his cigarette. It's still raining at this time, you know. And I'm looking at both of those tents thinking, man, I guess I thought I knew how to camp. I guess we put these things in a bad place. I guess we didn't stake them down as well as we should. And as I'm standing there looking, and uh, Wes is over there smoking, we're just observing the whole situation, uh, a, a group of Haitian men come out of their homes. And as they walk out, uh, one guy's got a hatchet, another guy's got a piece of wood, and he's already hitting it, making it into uh, stakes. Another guy comes out, and he's got rope, and uh, uh, another person comes out and, and they've got towels and these folks, some of whom we've only known for like two days, they immediately go to work rebuilding our temporary homes. And we watch these guys and they put our houses back up and I remember a moment being down because once our tents get back up, there's still like an inch of water in the base of them. And so once they're back up and they're staked back down and more solid, I remember getting in a tent with a Haitian guy that I hadn't known very long, and we're both down on our hands and knees, and the guy, it's still raining outside at this time, right? They're getting as soaked as we are. We're taking it and we're trying to, like, squeegee the water out of the bottom of our tents. And these folks, they don't quit until our tents, the insides of them, are completely dry. By the time this storm is over, our tents are more stable, more secure, more prepared for the storm. And I realized in that moment that the quality of the people we surround ourselves with is more important than the quality of our tents. The quality of our community is more important than a structure's stability. Because here's the thing, when everything else in our world, when our whole house comes crumbling down, 
We need to know that the architect's going to be there, and we need to know that there are going to be some other people who we love there with us willing to stand in the rubble. We need to know that when everything falls apart, that we've got some folks in our life who are going to still be around to help us rebuild. Now, I know in the midst of this, like, order to stay home and to quarantine and all that stuff, I know it's going to be very tempting just to self-isolate and to lock down and to stop having conversations. But what I'm saying to you, church, is if you want to make sure that you've built your life on the right foundation, use this time not to lose community, but to build community. Just because you can't touch each other doesn't mean you can't stay in touch with each other. And so what I would encourage you to do every day would just be to listen and to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you some people that maybe you need to connect with, some people that you need to check on, some people you need to send a card to. Use it as a moment not just to firm up the stones in your house, but use it as a time to fill in the cracks in your foundations. We need to make sure that we're building our homes using the right architect with the right material and on the proper foundations. You know, storms have a way of revealing a structure's stability. It takes a hard rain to reveal a leaky roof. It takes a hard wind to reveal a weak foundation. You know, what are you going to do when you see the cracks in your foundation? What are you going to do when you see the weaknesses in your faith? I would say this storm is a great time to do soul work. Pray with me. Father, we come to you now in the name of Jesus. God, I'm grateful for your word. I'm grateful for the people in this room, and I'm grateful for the people watching and listening online. I pray by the power of the Spirit you'd move. I know that there are some people at their houses right now who know it's time for them to meet with a a new architect, who know they've tried to build their life on their own plans and everything's falling apart. And so I pray for them that they'd be willing to lay some stuff down and to pick some new stuff up. I pray for those who just, who this season, they're seeing some cracks in, in the building materials. They're feeling some wind, some rain. I pray that they'd find themselves studying the Sermon on the Mount. They would see their weaknesses, and then they would trust that your power is made perfect in our weakness. And I pray for that person right now who has found themselves fully content just to be at home by themselves and quiet. I pray, God, that you would put a desire within their heart right now for connection that they wouldn't feel like they're okay until they've talked to somebody that they need to talk to, had a conversation that they need to have. God, show us as pastors what it looks like for our church to remain united and connected even in the midst of the storm. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.